What is going on, beautiful people? It is your boy, Jesse, a.k.a. Jesse Prada, and you are listening to the Christ Convo Podcast, where we inspire you to live the best way you can for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope this episode blesses you. Without further ado, let's get into it, y'all. Hello, everyone. I am here on another episode on the Christ Convo, and I have a very special guest with me. Um, He is an uncle to me. Um, I love him dearly, Uh, a powerful role model to me in the body of Christ, Um, a powerful prophetic voice that God has raised up, and um, he's such a loving person. He carries the heart of God, um, and he's such a trustworthy man of God, and I just really appreciate um, the fact that the Lord connected us to. And so he was here on my podcast before, but it's DeAndre, y'all. Uh, my uncle DeAndre. I just really appreciate him. Say what's up, huh? What's up, everyone? How's everyone doing? I'm sure y'all are doing well. It's good to be here um, with JC and just getting the opportunity to be a part of this amazing moment. So I'm excited. Yeah. So um, the agenda today is to just talk about his testimony. Um, where God has brought him from. Um, He carries a very, very powerful testimony. Um, And specifically, his testimony is dealing with homosexuality, Um, being someone who dealt with that and being raised in church and sort of just dealing with the path that you have to walk through as someone who dealt with something like that and consistently being in the church, the things that he wrestled with, the things that was going through his mind, the torment, the turmoil, things of that nature. So um, just expound upon that, I guess, from how it started, you know, to when God met you, your most precious moments while you were in this process. Like, how did that how did that start for you? Oh, man. Um, So as as long as I can remember um it it started as a seed for me um it started as the seed of a thought um i was around four and a half years old maybe i was sitting in the church um one of the ministers were preaching and while they were preaching this feeling came over me and it was a feeling that i couldn't explain um it was something that i couldn't articulate because i was four years old Um, And so the thought was planted, of course, um, as a seed in my mind at that time. Um, By the age of five, then the thought or the seed began to grow um, by way of molestation. I was molested by a close family member, um, actually of the opposite sex. Um, She was older than me, quite older than me. Um, And she began to do things that a woman and a man do together. So from that moment, those thoughts began to fester. And me, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church, um, Pentecostal, raised, Kojic, Church of God in Christ. And so, um, you know, we heard about it. Um, We learned about homosexuality. We were told, you know, you're going to hell if you deal with this. And so it was already something I was afraid of. It was already something I was fearful of. And so I never wanted to be, you know, that guy who was known as, oh my God, DeAndre 
is the homosexual person. I didn't want to be known as that. But as a child, those seeds were being planted and they were growing by the year, by the day, by the month, by the week. Um, and so not even knowing. And that's why, you know, we have to be careful even, you know, as, as our children are young, we have to be careful at the environments that we allow them to sit in or even leaving your children by yourself. You never know what's happening um, so make sure you have a relationship with your children, those of you who have kids. So that's just a, you know, sidebar. Um, but at that time, you know, I was a playful little boy. Um, so I loved making people laugh. I loved making people feel good. So I didn't realize that it was molestation. I thought my sister or the person that I was related to, you know, was doing something that, you know, she was just used to doing. Um, you know, playing around and you know how you are with your relatives. Um, and so it was really weird because the older I got, the more, um, the more reality began to sink in that it really was something that was happening to me. Um, then the molestation grew again at the age of nine. Um, another close family member, um, that time it was of the same six from the age of nine to the age of 13. I was constantly fondled. Wow. Um, I was constantly touched Jesus. by the same person. Wow. Um, and so that was a hard thing because it went from a list station mm. to actually feeling like a real relationship. Like you enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because now it feels like it's supposed to happen. Yeah. And, so, you know, at that time, I was playing sports with my brothers, and I would play things like street ball, like yeah. basketball. Uh, we would play football, tackle football. Um, we would play baseball, and all of these things we did as children and teenagers. I used to do it with my family and with my friends, Yeah. but this family member used these sports activities to do what they wanted to do. Wow. Jesus. So, you know, we would be playing basketball and they would use that as a fine time to, you know, fondle me. And then they say, you know, I'm on the ground with them. And they say, you know, it's like, hey, you know, this is supposed to happen. It's okay. So from the age of nine to about 11, it was wrong. After about 11 to about 13, this this is just this this is is what it is. Yeah. This is life. So... Wow. You know, having all experiences um, with this family member, you know. And so all of these things are happening and I am unaware that it is literally seeds that are growing to try to deter me from my destiny. So that's how it really started. Wow. Um, talk about, because you said you grew up in church and the audience doesn't know that, but I know that while you were dealing with this, you were leading worship. You were ministering. You were preaching to people. Yes. What was that like? Ooh. Um, so, I started singing, actually, in church at five years old. Um, I, that was the first time I led a song in mm-hmm. church. I was in the children's choir. And I was leading a song called I Feel Like Praising Him. Yeah. And as I was leading the song, I began to feel the presence of God. And... It was the most amazing moment because that was the first time I actually danced. 
Wow. You know, we call it praise dancing or yeah. praise breaks now. Yeah. But that's the first time I actually danced in a church setting. Um, and after that, I've been dancing my whole life. But from then, um, around the age of around 13, um, I began to lead worship with the youth choir, um, with the youth praise team. Around 16 and 17, I started actually leading with the adults. Mm. Um, so I was leading worship, watching people get saved. People mm. would actually give their lives to God. We would have whole altar calls for salvation Wow! during praise and worship. And it was the craziest thing because for me on the inside, no one saw me. Yeah. No one saw me. No one could see the torture and the torment that I was dealing with internally because I was constantly hearing that if you are a sissy, if you are dealing with this, that, and the other uh-huh. along the lines of the uh, same-sex attraction or uh-huh. homosexual lifestyle, yeah. hell is your home. Yeah, And so I'm hearing this preached over the pulpit daily, but no one was telling me how to come out. So with with this, while you were leading worship, were you in a state where you were being molested or were you just intentionally living in it? Or was By it both? Then, it was it was more so the struggle after the molestation. Okay. By then the molestation has stopped. Yeah. Um matter of fact, when I was thirteen, uh-huh. that family member came to me and was like, I can't do this to you anymore. Wow. But I was heartbroken as if someone broke up with me. Wow. Because it had been so long. Jesus. And so for years after that, I struggled with my identity. Um, And so I'm 16, 17 years old leading worship. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, pornography, masturbation, um, rejection issues, abandonment. And the whole time, I couldn't tell my parents at that time uh-huh. because I, that was a spirit of fear that was released also that was trying to make me feel like if I said something, then they would deny me. They would they would leave. They would push me away. They would abandon me. They would reject me. And so I was dealing with so many different lies in my mind. There was such a heavy burden that I was actually mentally, the enemy was using that to push me into the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 16 and 17, I wasn't so much so living the life at that time. I was more so um, exploring in my mind what it would be like. I would have fantasies and dreams of dating a man and Mm -hmm. literally um, being happy. Mm -hmm. Being happy. And so... It, it was literally such a difficult moment. And so I'm learning that at that time, I'm learning that, oh man, I want to be this way. Yeah. Because of the seeds that were planted over the years. Yeah. So singing in church, I knew if I said something, I wasn't going to be able to sing. Mm. So I was struggling with, do I talk about this issue? Yeah. Because I had a heart for God. I loved God. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at 10 years old. Yeah. So I had a love, a real authentic love for God. And some, some, those of you who are listening, some of you are in the same place. 
may not even be with that, but you've had a love for God and you're trying to figure out how to choose between what you are struggling with and your love for God. But please do not deny the fact that you actually are one who has a heart to know and seek after God. I need to encourage you there because I was there. Yeah. Um, but the struggle mentally was one of the biggest things for me mm -hmm. because I was struggling. Do I keep this gift active? Or do I say something and probably sit down for a long time? Yeah. And I just decided to just just try to go after God, um, do everything I knew how to do in the church, but still on this wild roller coaster of trying to figure out who I am. And it got to the point I started feeling like I was in the wrong body. Mm. Like, I felt like I was a woman trapped in a man's body as if God made a mistake of who he created. So that was the struggle at that time. Jesus. I think it's very interesting um, when you're talking about your struggle. Did you see instances where people were engaging in sexual immorality in the church, but it was in between a man and a woman? How was that handled? Versus the, the handling of homosexual exposure that actually it, it was a very bitter thing for me honestly um because i've seen it handled in a way now when i was younger you know i grew up in an era where if you messed up in fornication and you seen and you were doing something in the church um you know they would have you come up to the front yeah and repent before mm -hmm. the body yeah before the people of god mm -hmm. um i never necessarily believed in doing that honestly because to me it it releases a spirit of condemnation over yeah. people um because everybody in the church doesn't know how to heal people yeah everybody in the church is not spiritual enough or meek enough to deal with a person that is taken over in a fault yeah um but however there was still a level of grace and extension of mercy yeah for people that dealt with opposite sex falls mm. than people who dealt with same sex issues yeah and i've seen it firsthand and matter of fact fornication wasn't preached as hard mm. as homosexuality was wow and so i would sit in church bitter because I didn't sense the same love for people who dealt with same-sex attractions mm -hmm. that other people dealt with. Yeah. You know, other people dealt with fornication, alcoholism, um, sleeping around, adultery, cheating on their wives, all of these different things. And that was still a level of grace extended. But those who dealt with what I dealt with, you know, if the, the mere thought of knowing that someone around you in a church setting is dealing with same-sex attraction mm -hmm. was just unheard of. Because at that time, you know, I was born in the 80s. So at that time, from the 80s to the late 90s and on up in the early thousands, that's, that wasn't a time where a lot of people that dealt with that came out of the closet. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of secrecy in the yeah. church then. Now it's different. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which is dangerous also because now it's so accepted yeah. that it seems like the lifestyle is okay. Yeah. But Jesus didn't come to make the lifestyle comfortable. Yeah. He came because he wanted to love you and let you see who you really are meant to be. But I'll talk about that part later. Yeah. We'll get to that later. So you said something very profound. You said not everyone in the church is spiritual enough 
to handle people in a downfall like that. Can you just expound on what do you mean by that when you say spiritual enough? So <laughs> that was good. Um, that was a good question. So this, the, the scripture says, if you see a brother who is overtaken in a fault, make sure you restore such one. Yeah. Those of you who are spiritual uh-huh. with the spirit of meekness. Yes. My issue is we've compartmentalized those who are overtaken in faults. Mm-hmm. If you're overtaken in a fault of such and such, then we got you. We can pull you back in. Yeah. But being overtaken in the fault of being in a same-sex relationship. Yes. That's not given as much grace most of the time. Yeah. Um, and it's a scary thing to categorize what a fault is. Yeah. Because now we've done what the cross did it. Mm. The cross took on all sin. Yeah. But we categorize and say which sin we'll give grace to. Mm-hmm. And so those that are spiritual, and that's when you know a person is spiritual enough. Yeah. And have the spirit of meekness enough to be able to make sure that that person is restored when it doesn't matter what you've done. I don't see you by what you've done, but I see you by the eyes of Christ. Wow. And because of that, that is a very strong missing factor Mm -hmm. in the body that we must deal with. Yeah. Especially with where the world is now. Yeah. The world is so accepting. We... It's so accepting of it that we've even created a whole community. Yeah. Now it's the LGBTQ community. Why? The reason now is because we've made a community for them because we don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. So they created their own community. So they created their own community. Wow. And so now we're upset because they want the same rights. Yeah. But we did it. Mm. Because we compartmentalized them and we categorized them. And I was one of those that was categorized. Yeah. So I stayed quiet for a long time. Yeah. So now we didn't, I didn't talk about bringing this up and you let me know if you don't want to talk about it. But I, I remember we had a discussion about gay jokes. Oh man. Yeah. My good. Yes. Okay. So, um, I remember we had a discussion about gay jokes and, you know, I told you that I'm guilty of it. And this was even before I was saved. Um, And, you know, I'm just not going to sit here and act like it doesn't exist. People in the church, we crack gay jokes. Yes. As straight men, as men who are attracted to women, we crack gay jokes and we, you know, we laugh and we play around and things of that nature. And obviously I did it before I was saved. Um, How does something like that as a man who literally struggled with that? Something that the devil used to send your soul to hell. How does that make you feel when you hear jokes like that? Disrespected. Mm-hmm. Um, even 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 if people didn't know that I dealt with that, we have to think about people. Yeah. Um, these are people that actually deal with a real issue. Yeah. This is a real issue. Um, it's not a play thing, um, you know, and we, you know, we, we mock how they walk, we mock mm. how they talk, we, you know, act as if it's a funny thing 
And it's really not because this is a real thing that people are dealing with. And a lot of these people, they change their form. They they change the way they are. They, they become extremely feminine because this is what they identify with. And so instead of us asking God for strategy on how to love them and how to be there and how to be present, we've become extremely um, desensitized to the reality that it's a real issue. It's a real issue. And so number one, the time we could be spending praying and talking about this thing and mm. trying to figure out how to be the church in the middle of it. Instead, we make jokes and have funny conversations. And, and honestly, it's such a real spirit that it's not even something that you really want to joke about. Mm. Um, because that stuff then can get in your own soul. And the next thing you know, you're wondering where the lust and the perversion is coming from. Because the reality is lust and perversion is not gender appropriated. Wow. Lust and perversion is lust and perversion. Point blank. And so because of that, if I'm attracted to, you know, women, mm -hmm. the opposite sex. Yeah. But I'm playing with something that is a perverse thing. And the next thing you know, I'm wondering why all of a sudden I want to have sex. All of a sudden I want to masturbate. All of a sudden I want to watch porn. All of a sudden I want to get a girl and I don't want to get the girl because I'm serious and I want to be able to marry. But something I've entertained as a joke when it's actually serious has now gotten in my soul. Wow. And so it's more than just the disrespect and and the 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 the, the inability to see how it affects a person's heart. Because some people, whether we know it or not, a lot of people actually are in the lifestyle and don't want to be. Mm. And so it affects their self-esteem. Yeah. So if they're watching us playing about it. Wow. We could be the reason why they want to commit suicide. Convict us, Holy Ghost. So we have to be careful with what we mock. You know, and so that's why it's a hard thing for me when I see it. Jesus. So, did you tell your parents? Yes, in 2014. How'd that go? Oh, man. I, at that time, I'm be honest, y'all, and I'm sure um, some of you who be honest, there are things you've dealt with in your life where, as lovers of Christ... Because by then I was I was so serious about God, mm -hmm. but I was still dealing with the temptation. Yeah. And the temptation was still following me. Mm -hmm. And at that time, no one had told me that just because I'm tempted doesn't mean it's my identity. Yeah. So since no one told me that, I thought because I was still being brutally tempted by this, that, you know, this is just me. And none of the moments of deliverance actually worked. So my coming out to my parents yeah. was actually a rebelling against God. Wow. I was telling God I quit. I was telling God I was done. Mm -hmm. I was tired of trying to live a life that was quote unquote pleasing to him. Mm -hmm. And I am constantly alone at night. I'm constantly not, not being able to love who I wanted to love at that time, but I was struggling because I knew it wasn't pleasing to God. And as delivered as I thought I was, I couldn't get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And so 
And some of you feel that way right now. You yeah. can't seem to get rid of it. But I need you to understand temptation and desire is one thing and sin is another. Yeah. And so for me, coming out to my parents was still from a pain. Yeah. I was bitter towards God, actually. Mm. Um, my coming out wasn't, oh, I'm just ready to live free. My coming out was, I was bitter. Yeah. I was bitter. And so I told them from that place and to watch them love me in the midst of it mm. was an amazing thing. However, it was hard for, you know, it was hard for my father and my mom. But, you know, my mom being a woman, you know, a lot of times women are more nurturing and nourishing. And men, for us men, it's hard to, harder to deal with that from, yeah. you know, our, our son or daughter telling us, yeah. this is where I am. Especially with a man for his son. Mm -hmm. um, and so my dad stood up and was like, no, you're not dealing with that. And I was like, this is where I am. This is what I'm dealing with. Mm. I have an attraction towards men, and it will not leave. Yeah. And it was difficult. It was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do in my life. But I'm actually grateful because God used it as a healing agent. Mm. So, yeah. How did he use it as a healing agent? Because once I told them, they were the biggest thing for me. Mm -hmm. Them knowing... Yeah. Felt like I told the whole world. So now the secret is out. Mm. And one thing we have to understand, secrecy is what the enemy used to kill a lot of us. Yeah. For some of us, if we actually tell somebody mm -hmm. what we're really dealing with, yeah. he, he doesn't have a hold on you. That's good. Now it's out in the open. Mm -hmm. Darkness has been revealed by light. Yeah. And so once I spoke to the people that actually matter to me, after that, God had the ability to deal with my heart. Wow, that's powerful. Um, I'm going to pull something from what I remember you saying on that testimony video. Mm -hmm. You said you almost married a man. I did. Can you just walk us through? like? Yes. What, so what happened? Yes. Um, I dated this guy for three and a half years. Um, I met him actually when I was in college. I was a junior in college. And I met him. We were, we were cool at first. Um, I had developed feelings for him. Mm -hmm. By then, I was actually trying to live right. <laughs> that was the funny thing. Wow. I was trying to live right. I was trying to please God. I was telling myself, you know, you know, my sister had died at that time. My sister passed in 2007. Um, and so I was trying to, it put a fear in me. You know, you don't know when you're going to leave here. So just go ahead and live right. But you have to make sure that you allow the spirit of God to make sure your heart is made up. Yeah. And that your mind is made up. Yeah. Because if not, you will go back and forth in your thinking. Yeah. And that's what was happening with me. And so when I finally met this guy, um, we began to, you know, converse. We begin to talk. And the next thing you know, I developed strong feelings. And from that place, I spoke of my feelings. 
and days later he spoke of his feelings. Wow. Um, so they were mutual. They were mutual. Jesus. They were mutual, but he was a guy who was also a person who was attracted to the opposite sex. Okay. Um, I've my life. I've never really been attracted to the opposite sex. Um, so at that time. I was like, I can't, you know, identify mm-hmm. with it. I've dated a, I've dated girls by then. Yeah. You know, to try to prove to myself that I was a man mm-hmm. because I thought that's what a man was. If you yeah. date a woman, you're a man. Yeah. That's not a reality. That's Because you can date a woman and still be a boy. Yep. So, Woo! Um, making you a man is where you mature and your responsibility, your decisions your life, how you deal with experiences. Yeah. Um, and so, met this guy. We we started talking. Um, this guy has two children. Wow. Twins, a boy and a girl. Jesus. Um, and I became close to his children. Mm. Um, he was a native of Texas. Hmm. So, he would, you know, come back and forth to visit, yeah. different things like that. Mm-hmm. And... For three years and going on four, we were like strong, mm-hmm. you know, strong. And so after it came to the point, I had to literally say, I can't do it. Hmm. I had to literally say, I can't do it. Um, he he was getting ready to propose to me. Wow. And something happened where he had to actually turn around and go back to Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw the ring. Wow. I saw everything. And the Lord knew that if he had asked, I would have said yes. Wow. Because at that point of my life, I was in a place where this is what I wanted. Because this is what I thought I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because every experience in my life pointed to that. Yeah. You have to be careful that you don't base your life off of experience. Mm-hmm. Because if you base your life off of experience, you will live a life that experience and decision created when there's so much more God has for you. Wow. And so my life became what I saw in myself. Jesus. And so I was like, there's no way God wants me free. I've done everything. I fasted. I prayed. Yeah. I praised. I danced. I tried to shout it out because that's what we do in church. Instead <laughs> of being honest about stuff, we try to dance it all. And we still a sweaty mess instead of just a mess. My God. And so I became one of those people. I danced. I rolled on the floor. I prayed. And all of a sudden, I got to a place where I was like, you know what? It is what it is. This is just how I am. This is me. And so one day I was sitting in my apartment at that time and the Lord, I had an encounter where I was laying on the, on the floor and the guy I was dating walked through my door. Keep in mind, he was not there. Mm-hmm. He walked literally through the door. The door was closed and locked. Yeah. And his body was consumed in fire. And I looked up and I said, why are you here? Wow. And his words to me was, I came to kill you. Oh. I immediately jumped off the floor, called him, and broke up. Wow. And we've not spoken since. And that day I told the Lord, Lord, I will not date another man. Mm. You got to deal with this. Yeah. 
Now, the reality for me became, you know, it's still a temptation. So how do I not date what I'm tempted by? Mm. And so I had to build a life of discipline. That's a dangerous word, right? Yeah. Because we think after we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we just live willy-nilly and don't know how to make decisions. I had to actually discipline myself. Some of us don't need a demon cast out. We've had enough demons cast out. Some of us actually need to learn what it means to discipline. That's good. Some of us, we have issues in our soul that we need to confront. Yeah. And so it's not the fact that, oh, man, I got a demon and I'm seeing this demon. No, it's you. Hmm. And so I had to learn that. It was me. It got to the point, because by then I I done went through deliverance. Mm-hmm. I've had all the delivering sessions I could have. And so I ended up leaving to go to Bible college. And in Bible college, I was left to myself because I was pulled away from everybody that knew me. Yeah. So all the expectations for me to be the worship leader and mm-hmm. the minister and, oh, DeAndre going to lay hands on you. You might fall out. All of this stuff. All yeah. of that was stripped because now I'm a Bible college student. Yeah, trying to learn and learn. grow more in who mm-hmm. I'm called to be. So I was left to myself. So I had to be honest about every struggle that I still dealt with. Jesus, I couldn't lie anymore. Mm. You know, I couldn't lie anymore. And so I still tried to lie. Let me tell you how. I dated a woman. Mm. I got with this young lady in Bible college. We became very close friends. <coughs> yeah, and uh, I, we started dating. And she was amazing, right? Yeah. But neither one of us were ready or mature enough to do that. Hmm. Um, she was, she was, you know, still glued to her family. Um, she still, you know, didn't know how to cover a person like myself. Because when you dealt with that lifestyle, um, there's a level of of covering. Um, it has to be special. Yeah. You know, um, you don't just deal with that lifestyle and it, God just give you somebody that just act as if you've never dealt with it. Yeah. Because then once you step into marriage from that lifestyle, yeah, it's an even greater temptation. Yeah. Because now the enemy's trying to destroy what God created. Mm, yeah. So for me, I was dating her, you know, we were together and I'm like, oh, I'm good now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm good. And I'm dating her, but trying not to fall for a guy that I met. Wow. And it was so hard, y'all. I'm almost in tears thinking about all these experiences, but I'm, it's not tears of sadness. It's tears of gratefulness because I should have lost my mind. Yes, Lord. Um, I should have died where I was. I should have had AIDS because every time I had a sexual experience with a guy, I didn't use protection. Yeah. Right? You know, that's just the danger truth of it. Um, And so dating this girl, trying to love her without having the capacity. Just because you want to do something don't mean you have the capacity to do it. Yeah. 
So you got to know when you are ready for something, when your capacity has built, when you can make decisions that inconveniences you, mm-hmm. when you can make decisions that that are more wise than what you think you want. Mm-hmm. That's when you know when the capacity has grown. Yeah. And then you still have to know yourself. So if you don't know who you are and if you don't know yourself, you're not ready for a relationship anyway. Yeah. So I didn't know me. Mm. I knew the me I saw. Yeah. God was trying to develop the me he created. Because the me I saw seemed like it was detached from the me he created. And so dating this girl was to prove something to myself. Yeah. But I messed myself up and her. Because she was left hurt at the end. Jesus. She was left hurt at the end. But then she came back and out of bitterness, you know, we ended back up in a relationship and we were da- we dated for four years. Wow. By then. And, Jesus. And we were together. I was going to marry her. Wow. Um, and literally, she was dating a whole nother guy. At the same time? At the same time. And what she was doing was she wanted me to know how angry she was with me. So it was her way of revenge. But what that did for me, and keep in mind, I've never cheated. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe in cheating. Yeah. But what that did to me was take me back in my mind. Because when I was in the lifestyle of homosexuality, I didn't date guys who cheated. I was Mm -hmm. never cheated on. Yeah. So the enemy used it and was like, now when you were out there, you didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. So guess what I did? You went right back in. I entertained something that I was still weak in. You need to know when you're really free from something. Yeah. And just because temptation is present doesn't mean you're not delivered. You're free when you know how to respond. To the temptation. Exactly. That's good. So I didn't know how to respond still because my response when something went wrong, I still reverted back to let me find a guy. Yeah. If I was frustrated, let me go talk to a guy. Let me get a guy from you. And so God had to correct that on the inside of me. So I'm telling you that, you know, you you really have to learn who you are. Um, but, you know, trying to prove to myself that, you know, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be, you know, pleasing to God. So let me get a wife because that's what I was told. Yeah. So this really almost ruined my life. Yeah. Um, and after that, you know... I still ended up in another relationship instead of being satisfied with just who I am. Yeah. What was it like to lead worship, prophesy, lay hands on people, and just knowing the caliber of how much God had flowed through you, but when you left, when you left the church, when you were by yourself, it was just a whole nother situation. This God that showed up for so many people through you, through your ministry, through your gift, through your anointing that he has placed on you. And it was so upfront and it was so obvious for others. Oh, man. I, a lot of tears, 
a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I I had to worship in private so I wouldn't be bitter. Mm-hmm. Because watching God use me for others who were crying out for freedom, but I was turning around crying out for freedom. I wasn't getting it. Mm-hmm. I was confused. And all I would hear people say is keep singing. Keep prophesying. Yeah. Keep coming. Yeah. Because they like the gift. Yeah. But no one could handle the person. Yeah. And so I went into a season of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um I went into a season of great turmoil in my mind to where I actually stopped preaching for over a year. Wow. Uh, I sat down. I didn't want to do anything. Um, And I'm grateful for a man named Pastor Victor Salter Mm. who God used to pick me up out of where I was because he saw the struggle and he loved me like it wasn't there. Wow. But he loved me back to life. Jesus. Um, the pain of operating and flowing in a gift and wanting God so bad that you did whatever God asked you to do but you on the inside felt so empty afterwards. And it wasn't that I didn't have a prayer life. I started to realize I put my identity in what I did for God. Yeah. Instead of who I am to him. Mm -hmm. He didn't see the guy struggling. He saw who I was meant to be. Yeah. And so once I allowed God to love me, because what really happened, I put God in the category of everybody else. God became the person who saw me, but just wanted to use me. Hmm. And so that's all I was to him was useful. Wow. When the whole time he was trying to prove to me, whether you have a mic in your hand or not, you're a son. Yeah. When I started to realize that I am a son to the most high God, it changed my perspective. It changed my life. Wow. I wanted to ask, this is a basic question, but through all of that, and I know you said that there were plenty of breaking points. There were plenty of times where, um, you wanted to quit. You wanted to leave God. You wanted to walk away. Why didn't you? I loved him. That's why you cannot, you can't judge a person by what you see them struggling with. Yeah. God knew I loved him. Yeah. So I couldn't walk away because I've seen him do too much. Yeah. No matter how bad I wanted to, I loved him. 
Mm-hmm. And so I was like, God, I don't care how long it takes. Yeah. I'm going to be right here. But then after that, I became in love with him without strings attached. Yeah. I didn't love him anymore to deliver me. I loved him because I chose to trust that he was my deliverer. Yeah. I chose to trust that he was my father. I chose to trust that he was my friend. I chose to trust that he was the Lord of my life. And every day, even to this day, I still choose to trust that. And so if you want to know the where to be free in Christ is when you make the everyday choice to love him more than anything else. To the point where loving him affects your decisions. I don't care what you're tempted by. Whether it's male on male, female on male, opposite, same, alcoholism, addiction, pornography, whatever, suicide. Because some people are addicted to cutting themselves. Yeah. It is, you must understand that God loved you even absent of your works. And then if he loves you absent of your works, he deserves your surrender. Wow. People love you by what you can do. Yeah. He loves you just merely because. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what really brought me through. Yeah. And what keeps me today. Yeah. Is that he loves me just because. Yeah. And I choose to love him because he first loved me. Wow. That scripture is alive in my life. Yeah. And so the moral of my story, because y'all honestly, rawly, I still get tempted. I still get faced with the war and the battle of what it would feel like to go back to it. And some people in the church won't be honest. Yeah. I'm going to be honest because I live in the flesh. Mm-hmm. You are in a human body and God is going to complete the work that he began in you until the coming of Christ. Some of us get delivered and he, he jacks the appetite and changes the appetite and creates in you a different want and a different desire. Some of us get delivered and we still face those temptations and we still go through those moments of battle and we still choose him. Yeah. The testimony of both sides is that he is a keeper. Yes. He is a keeper because it is God who both works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So whether he takes the desire completely or whether the desire stays and he delivers you from it, he's still the one that's going to keep you. You will never be the one to keep yourself. Wow. And so just just know all of you, every listener, one thing for me is coming to know the truth of the matter and the truth of the matter is God loves me 
and he loved me enough to save me from what I thought I was supposed to be. You said something so powerful. You said the way that God loves you, it, it deems him as one who was qualified for your submission, for your surrender. And I think that's just something that should really be highlighted, um, not even just about God, but as leaders. And I'm not a leader in the body of Christ, but if I ever do become a leader, that's something that I will always take that I will always take with me through my journey with God. And, and God just spoke to me through you with that. If any person feels like God is calling them to be in leadership in any capacity, in any level, the 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 ability for those under you to give authentic submission wow is based upon how you love them yes yes that's wow. powerful yes we we don't we have to be careful as leaders future leaders leaders present currently that we don't model love from our preference and put god on it yeah but we must model love by putting on Christ. Christ has a standard. Yeah. And in that standard, he didn't choose me because I chose him. Yeah. He chose me when I didn't even know that I was chosen. Or when I didn't even want him. And when I didn't want him. But we have the, the audacity to treat people under us and to treat people that we lead or to treat people that, that we serve with because we don't know how to honor and love each other either. My God. We love based on the condition of what we prefer. Yes. And until we learn to love like Christ, we will continue to see communities created that Christ doesn't even want created. Wow. Wow. Jesus. And we could talk about the demonic agenda all day. If the Bible says we are called to be ministers of reconciliation, yeah. he already knew that the enemy would have another plan and agenda in mind. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Yeah. We were called to reconcile man back to Christ. Yeah. My God. And if that's the case, the way I love, because he draws by love. Make sure you don't love people by how you prefer them to be. Jesus. Make sure your love and your treatment is not how you prefer them to be. Because they just may be someone that will serve you well if you love them right. Wow. Whether it's in a friendship, marriage, relationship, brother, sister, it doesn't matter. Jesus. Um, Unc, tell us about your marriage. So those of you who don't know, um, if y'all heard me earlier, I stated that I ended up in another relationship. Um, and it was with an amazing woman. Um, we, we married. Um, it started as a mentorship. She was 
a mentor to me. Um, and we married and still for me to prove me to myself and um, just allowing our relationship to go into a place where it could have sustained if I was honest. It could have sustained if I would have just stayed still where I was. And we allow our, our relationship to be swayed honestly. Um, and I did it, you know, and I take full responsibility myself as, as a man. Yes. Um, because as we know, man, we lead in our relationships. We lead in our marriages. So, you know, if your wife is leading your home, you need to check. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's another sidebar. Yeah. But, um, we, we, the climate of that house, um, is dealt and built by not just the man, but also by the way you carry one another. Um, in my marriage, my wife was amazing, but as a person in within myself, I love the idea of marriage because of the companionship and the ability to be married, but I didn't count the cost. And so it caused my wife to feel unsafe. Yeah. It caused her to feel uncovered after a while. Yeah. Um, and we we had a beautiful image mm -hmm. to people. To people. Um, <laughs> you know, and we had great moments. Um, but, you know, because I was married to someone that I still considered just my friend. Mm. Cause I didn't count the cost of marriage. Yeah. Um, marriage for me was just a, a beautiful development of something, mm -hmm. but to develop it, you had to really count the cost of the cross. Yeah. Cause if you're going to marry, you got to love her like Christ loved the church. Yep. He gave himself. And so for a while I would speak every day. I would declare the scripture. I would pray. I would say who I am in my marriage um, but the whole time, the truth of the matter is, I really didn't want to be married. I was told I was supposed to be. Whoops. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, to be an effective preacher, you need a wife. Wow. You know, um, I wanted to prove to myself that I could be, mm. but within my heart, I did it again. Yeah. Carried the capacity yeah. for something so great and so honorable. Yeah. Do I honor marriage? Yes. Do I love marriage? Yes. Do I like to see marriage? Yes. I love going to weddings. Mm -hmm. But he gonna come to mind. Yes, I am. Yes, I. But um, if if I was honest with you, um, I got into something that I didn't count for myself. Mm. So I married someone based off seeing them happy, not me. Wow. Wow. You better watch getting in a relationship for the sake of anything else other than to love. If that love and that love is not feeling, that love is a choice. Yeah. It's an everyday choice. Yeah. It's an every week choice, every year choice, every month choice. But you better make sure that choice is real. Mm. 
And if you are doing it on the account of anything other than the fact that it's in you and that you are ready and that you want it truly, sit down. Yeah. Count your count your heart. Count up the cost. Where are you in your life? Where are you in your thinking? Deal with some of those issues. Because for me, I I didn't. I didn't count it. And my heart is just it's always been to make people happy because I didn't know how to be happy for myself. Yeah. And I was the one, every time I started to be happy for myself, I would always hurry up and run to something or someone. Cause I thought something was wrong with the fact that I was happy within myself. Yeah. And that's how the enemy had me fooled. Mm. But it it took that, and now we're separated, um, on our way to divorce, and it's a difficult thing, and I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Mm. I wouldn't wish it on anybody because I watched her hurt, yeah, and myself hurt mm-hmm. because I hurt her. Yeah, did I cheat? No, but I didn't love her well. Yeah, but I didn't love her well because. I was still learning how to love me well. Yeah. Make sure you know how to love yourself. Yeah. Before you love somebody. That's good. And so, in this separation, one thing I learned about me is it's okay to beat me. Yeah. Condemnation beat me up, man. Yeah. I thought I was going to hell every day. Mm-hmm. Condemnation wore me out. I almost actually... Like literally lost my mind. Yeah, I was on the, I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, I I couldn't minister for a while. Wow, um, for almost a whole year. Yeah, um, because of it, um, it was a very very difficult place. And to be honest with you, I am I am still walking through the process of what it means to just live beyond your own decisions. Sometimes you got to heal from what you decided. Wow. And so I'm healing from what I decided. And I'll be honest with you, it's a good healing. Yeah. Because I can smile for real now. Yeah. You know, I can enjoy my life. And I know we're both going to be okay. Yeah. Um. But to rescue some of you before you get to that point, mm. make sure you're ready before you make that decision. Mm. So, yeah. What can you say to us as believers in the church who don't deal with homosexuality? How do we go about people with that struggle? Because I believe and I've seen People in the church, we just have so much zeal. And it's not a bad thing. We just love Jesus. But I think sometimes, especially with the issue of homosexuality, we're so quick to see people changed. We just want people changed. It's like, if you see a girl who dresses like a guy, the zeal of Christ in you rises up and you think, well, we got to get her in a dress. We got to make sure that she doesn't like women anymore. We got to do whatever we can to make sure that she's different or that God touches her heart. We want to get her saved. 
Um, or if you see a feminine man, you want to make sure he walks a certain way or he talks a certain way and he no longer finds attraction in men. And we're so focused on making sh making sure that these people get delivered. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes I wonder if we know what effective deliverance looks like. So what would you say we as a church who are outside of that struggle, outside of that issue, who don't know what it's like to go through that? How do we give people who deal with that mm -hmm. a strong desire to come out of it authentically, not because they want to impress us, but they genuinely want to come out? How do we assist? Because one, I've known, and I'm going on a rant, but I, I see that a lot of people are trying to be God <laughs> when they are. Oh, that's good. I see a lot of people trying to be the Holy Ghost. That's so good. When they aren't. <laughs> However, we are, his, we are his instruments. We yeah. are his body. How can we assist God the best way we can with people who deal with this issue? Um, you you said some some of my answer actually. Mm -hmm. Some water, some plant, but God gives the increase. Yeah, right. Um, number one is through loving kindness that God draws. Yeah. What I need people to understand is just because a person deals with same sex attraction doesn't mean they all deal with it for the same reason. Mm. You first need to ask God, what's the root? Yeah. First, make sure you actually love the person. Yeah. Because you can't get them out the dress. You can't get her out the man's clothes. Yeah. God has to change the heart. Yeah. So we try to get people's ex extremity, their outer, their external, their external appearance change yeah. so fast because if we want to be honest about it, we get embarrassed yeah. by that. Yeah. Uh-oh. Go there. We get embarrassed. We are embarrassed. That's an embarrassment to God. It is an abomination to God. And so it's embarrassing to watch someone that is a man put on a woman's clothing. And you come in the church. And when they walk in the church, we give them the eye. But if we want to know what revival looks like, it's when Jesus lets a woman who is a whole adulteress and prostitute take what she uses to lure man and washes his feet and dries it with her hair. Mm. She takes what's a sin and minister it. How? She yields it. She gives it because something about Jesus made her want to give it up. Can they say that about you? Wow. What does your love factor look like? Because whether people know it or not, homosexuality is a sin that's actually the opposing factor of God's original intent of love. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't love these people. Yeah. So church, can we please stop saying to these people, you don't love them. You're, you, that is disrespect. God didn't disrespect us to get us out of where we are. Mm -hmm. He showed us a better side. Yeah. Can you do that? Mm -hmm. Can you love them enough to inconvenience yourself, men, to actually shake that guy's hand? Mm-hmm. 
or are you afraid and insecure mm. to the point where if he shakes your hand, you think he's coming on to you? Everybody don't want you. Yeah. Everybody in their lifestyle is not sex hungry. Yeah. Some people actually deal with their lifestyle because they lack security in their life. Yeah. So you need to understand that the homosexual lifestyle is the effect of a cause. Yeah. Something happened. Something happened that made them make the decision to practice homosexuality. We got to stop acting like homosexuality is a root issue. It's never been a root issue. That's the reason why many don't see deliverance. Because we keep trying to deal with homosexuality as a root. Yep. It is not a root. Wow. It is a, it's a branch. It is a leaf. It is a structure that came from a root. Yeah. Even if the root is literally the enemy planted a thought yeah. that grew yeah. out of fear. Wow. So fear would actually be that root. Mm. And you're trying to deal with the person's sexual preference. Yeah. Instead of the issue of the heart. Wow. So as the church, we got to first learn to love the people. You don't learn to love the people. You can sit down and stop screaming deliverance. Yeah. Deliverance is a love ministry. Yeah. If you can't love them like you love the alcoholic, be quiet. Mm. And if I offended some of you, good. Mm -hmm. If you can't love them like you love the person that you've known is caught up in adultery and you still let them lead worship, be quiet. Mm. It's just as bad. Yeah. So we have again categorized this thing. And so first we got to pull it out of the category and say that sin is sin. Mm. And so if you're going to see deliverance in that, first of all, understand that you got to love the person. Yeah. Number two, you got to understand that it's not a root issue. It's an issue that branches from a cause. And number three, can you inconvenience yourself like you do with all the other stuff? Wow. If not, you're not ready to see them free, so stop babbling about it. Mm. And that's my take. All right. Well, any final thoughts before we end it? I do want to encourage someone, whether you're dealing with that whether you're dealing with, you know, any other type of sexual immoral lifestyle, whether it's fornication, adultery, masturbation, um, pornography, whether you're dealing with any type of addiction, anything that you held higher than God. Um, I want to encourage you that, number one, God's not waiting to beat you up and kill you. He loves you so much that he has his arms open to make sure that you come through where you are. You are not a lost cause. Your issue is not a lost cause. You're, you're not a failure. The mistake is, but you're not the failure. Mm. And so I want you to be encouraged there, first of all, and to know that God's will and God's plan for your life is still sure. And he still wants to use you. He still wants to, to, to do so much through your life. But don't just equate you being who God called you to be through what you do for him. Be who he called you to be because he called you. Make sure your calling, your election is sure. How is that? First of all, find who you are in him. 
and who you are in him, I promise you, is not tied to what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so I love each of you. Thank you for listening to me. And that's my take. Amen. Well, I'll say something before we end it. Um, I told Unc, I told DeAndre that meeting him shifted my whole entire perspective on that issue. Um, I didn't get mad when people were to discuss the issue of homosexuality as much. And I think it's it was because nobody close to my heart dealt with it. Mm. Um, and so because nobody really close to my heart dealt with it, I sort of just excused it. Um, and obviously, y'all know I've been calling him Unc all throughout the podcast. We have a uncle nephew type relationship. Um, and I just love him so much. And so, you know, if somebody were to come at him sideways, they would get cut. <laughs> but seriously, um, just just be grateful for the connections that God ordains in your life because God can use it to show you another side of his heart and put it inside of you. And it wasn't there before. Um so I just hope each and every one of you were encouraged by this podcast. Unc, thank you so much. I love you, man. I love you too, man. It's been a pleasure. Yes. All right. Well, y'all be easy. I'll see y'all on the next episode. Be blessed. What is going on, beautiful people? I appreciate the listening and the support to the Christ Convo podcast. If you received any form of insight on this last episode, leave a review on Spotify, on Apple Music, whichever source you listen to this podcast. I will be back for a new episode. Stay tuned. Be blessed.